we have that data set. So wherever agents spend money, wherever we see that we can add value and we can help agents make smarter financial decisions, I think that's what you'll see us lean into and really look at that now from like, okay, hey, we have this information. How do we help the lives of our agency owners and like Micah said, their families make smarter business decisions, get them to where they wanna go quicker. That's really where, where it is at the end of the day. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our leadership, develop our teams and scale our business in a way that allows us to get our products and services out to the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. On today's episode, we bring the founders of Club Capital, Micah Cannon and David Munson, onto the podcast. And we talk about the past, the present, and the future of Club Capital. It's almost three years since we started the podcast, and we've actually not done a podcast like this and had both of them on at the same time. And so if you've wondered a little bit about just even how Club Capital got started, but if you, like me, you just learn love learning about how businesses get started and how did they get it off the ground and what was the genesis of that? And as Gerber says in his book, what was the entrepreneurial seizure that the entrepreneurs had to start a business? I think you're going to get a lot out of this. And but it's not always this clear cut academic book about how businesses start. Sometimes it's just messy in the beginning. And hopefully you'll pick up some things that will be impactful to you on your journey as well. Without further ado, here's my conversation with David Munson and Micah Cannon. This podcast is brought to you by Autopilot Recruiting. Join over 1,200 State Farm agents in putting your recruiting on Autopilot. Any successful insurance agent will tell you how important team is. Finding those rock star team members doesn't happen when left to chance. It happens through consistent recruiting. You never know when you're going to lose a team member. And the key to an incredible team is constantly searching for the best talent. Autopilot Recruiting is a continuous recruiting service where you'll be assigned a recruiter that has been trained to recruit on your behalf every business day. This recruiter will take over and revamp your career plug, send out assessments, do pre-screened phone interviews, and schedule your in-office interviews. All you need to do is to show up and give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. This ongoing service is extremely affordable and a no-brainer for taking your insurance agency to the next level. Listeners of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast go to autopilotrecruiting.com and use the code clubcapital to get started. Again, autopilotrecruiting.com and use the code clubcapital to get started. Micah and David, welcome back to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, I'm excited to be here again. I think today's conversation will be fun. Yeah, thanks, Bradley. Happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you both. So I've had both of you on individually and since that you've both come on, we've Man, the podcast has grown exponentially. And so, David, I want to kind of start with you. For people that don't maybe know you and kind of your journey and then really even the journey between you and Micah about how Club Capital came to be and how the company got started, I think it would just be great for you to give a little bit of the backstory. That's how we start every one of the podcasts anyway. And so I think it'd be great for you to kind of tell a little bit of the backstory and the journey about how Club Capital even came to be. 
Yeah, Bradley. I think I've been on here before, and I know Mike has been on here a couple of times, but I think it's the first time we've been on here collectively. So I thought it'd be good to just share Club Capital started in 2016, but Mike and I, we went to College of Charleston together. We're good friends in college and post-college afterwards. Our story kind of starts well before the company starts. So not that not many people know that, but I thought it'd be a good forum to share that. And we started Club Capital in 2016. And after we got a few of the first agents on board, myself being number one, and then some of the study group guys, and then Micah came on and really took over the company and, and really built it up from there. So yeah, I just want to share a little bit about the backstory about the, Micah and my relationship before. And to my knowledge, you guys are still good friends. You started a company together and you're still good friends, right? Yeah, a little bit. Rest of the week, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get that. That's great. Well, I may ask actually about that because some people have started businesses with their spouse, significant other, friend, and how have you guys been able to kind of work through that? But we'll get to that in just a second. Micah, what's your thoughts about just the backstory and the journey of Club Capital up to this point? Yeah. So we started Club Capital in 2016, but what David and I graduated college in 2010, right? I'm college at Charleston. So we knew each other back in college. I was in his wedding and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, I actually knew his wife before I knew him. We just happened to have classes together and she is the one that actually introduced the two of us. Uh, so I've mm. heard of credit. And many gets a lot of credit for that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's the real initial founder of Club Capital. <laughs> but no, we became good friends back then. We were kind of the business minded ones within our friend group, I guess you would say, within our immediate friend group for what everybody else was kind of doing and focusing on. And so as our friendship grew over time, we just always kind of came back talking about certain things going on in business and in our lives. And I ended up going into consulting. I did a master's right out of college, primarily because I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do right away. So I just doubled down and decided to, to get into a master's program and ended up getting into consulting after that. So did management consulting. Mm. I always had this itch that I wanted to start a company, mm-hmm. but there was a sense of what are you going to do? right? Mm-hmm. What's the company that you're going to start? And, and I remember I had scratch pads and thinking about different companies and things like that. And and just not knowing exactly what I was going to do. So I ended up starting working for a company in DC doing consulting in healthcare. And I have absolutely zero healthcare <laughs> background. <laughs> but came at it from a business perspective. They were doing a lot of technology implementation, process improvement, stuff that at the end of the day is, has nothing to do with the actual healthcare aspect of it, of delivering it, but really the business side of how to how to measure the impact of that. So that was actually really fun. I joined a small firm. I was the 15th employee at a firm in DC. And what was the precursor to that is trying to find jobs outside of grad school. I was just crashing on David's couch for quite a bit, um, going to interview. I think my job was actually just to sit at the Starbucks that was near the office <laughs> and just apply for jobs and ended up finding what was an amazing job and initial career for me. I joined a small firm that was started by some really bright guys in the industry. So they were mm-hmm. had already been in the industry for like 10, 15 years. Some of them were doctors and then started a consulting company to be able to kind of tackle the things that they saw missing or, or an opportunity. And so I thought at the time, I'm like, all right, well, I'm not starting my own business, but these guys seem like some good ones to probably learn from and see what they do mm. and how they do it. And it turned out to be right. I mean, they did an incredible job. I learned a ton and they grew the company in a matter of a couple of years to over 100 people. And 
they ended up selling to a publicly traded company. And so I got to kind of see and be at least a part of some of that, kind of see the inner workings of how that happens. And meanwhile, friendship with David and just kind of learning and seeing what he was doing, being a part of a massive company, but also then being the small business side of that mm-hmm. massive company, right? Is interesting how you can have kind of both sides to that. And so we would always talk about what's going on in his world comparative to what's going on in my world and mm-hmm. what are the types of things I'm doing and delivering for billion dollar enterprises versus the things and sometimes the struggles of what he saw on the small business front. Yeah. That's kind of where a lot of the conversations of Club Capital actually came to be of how can we package and deliver really big enterprise level services, but to the small business, right? I mean, my, I was doing consulting for huge enterprises and my billable rate was staggering for what I thought I was doing and how young I was at the time. And I'm like, well, sure. first off, this is definitely why we don't work with any small businesses, right? Because small businesses can't afford what we're doing, right? Yeah. And so that's where a lot of this started. Yeah, mainly too. I mean, Mike and I would get around and talk on the weekends or over a beer and really talk about how consulting, he was looking at these healthcare systems and how they were able to compare costs and compare revenue items. And you know, that's how when Club Capital came to be, I was like, man, there's really nothing like that on the small business insurance agent side. We'd go around to our study groups and we'd talk about how much we spent on marketing, how much we spent on payroll. And I was like, I was watching Micah implement this for these big healthcare systems on cost savings and revenue. I was like, man, that'd be pretty cool to have in our agencies and not just rely on kind of our own data as we grow and try to scale our agencies. So, yeah. So that actually leads me to one of the big questions that I actually do not think that I know. And in thinking about this, I was curious. Do you remember the conversation you had that said, yeah, I actually think that there's a problem in the marketplace or a pain in the marketplace. Let's go build the company together. Do you remember that conversation? What was that like? And when do you both remember kind of having that look or that thought of like, yeah, we're actually going to do this. As Gerber says, we're having this entrepreneurial seizure. Now we're actually going to go do something with it. I mean, Bradley, I remember that conversation just. I mean, in my head, a little bit about my background, third generation State Farm agent, I would call my father and ask him some of these questions on the business management side or my mentor down the street. And I call him, call him, ask him some of these questions on, hey, who do you use for payroll? Who do you use for your taxes? And I'm like, man, if I don't know these questions and I came from the business a little bit, I certainly know that outsiders don't know this information. Frankly, I think it's unfair, right? So I was like, somebody needs to put this together where it's one suite. And I really wanted it for myself. So it was really kind of scratch my own itch. And then I was like, I want this all in one place. I started an agency to focus on insurance and financial services and not necessarily doing my own books. That's really where it came from. And then client number one, call it. And then with our study group, we got about 20 more agents on board from there. And then that's when Mike and I, we were keeping up on how everything was going. And we were like, hey, Mike, I think it's a... We had a serious conversation about, hey, why don't you come help out? And I think it started gradually. And then Micah made the full jump, right? And then came on and kind of the rest, a little harder than that, but it's, the rest was pretty history from there. From there Micah came on and yeah, did a great well, job. So. so I think some of the background is, and maybe to go back just a little further, is, I mean, these were literal conversations at probably bars or David's living room. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Having some drinks or some dinner and, and talking through it and thinking about, okay, what do we actually do? as next steps. And so 
Some of that I was a part of. And what I think is a little bit different, I wasn't especially even formally listed as one of the founders because it was a good idea. And David actually was able to run with it. And I, I said, Hey, I think it's an awesome idea. Like I didn't know if it would actually pan out. Right. Yeah. I'm obviously busy doing my own thing. And so David did kind of really just run with it. Right. And he said, okay, I'm going to do this and kind of make a partner on the, on the CPA side. Another one of our partners, one of the biggest thing that we do right away is say, Hey, well, we're not accountants. Right. So yeah. Right. Probably have have some expertise on that side, and so ended up meeting somebody locally here in Bethesda, Maryland, to be able to partner with on that side. That's been a CFO you know, his entire career, owns a CPA firm. That's who our partner Javier Golden is, that runs and oversees the the Club Calvin mm-hmm. Tax Division. Uh, but that's kind of how that started, and I was kind of watching it a little bit from the sidelines as a friend and kind of advisor, and saying, "Hey, well, how are you putting together the pitch decks and things like that?" And mm-hmm. I started yeah. getting involved and saying. I put together a lot of our pitch decks for the consulting company and let me take a stab at it. Right. And I think we can present the pitch in a different way. And so I kind of started consulting him and what he was doing. And then it just got and then I said, yeah. Yeah, Hey, just give me the damn phone. Okay. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to sell this thing. And then I started selling it. I'm like, Oh, I sold a couple of people now. What? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And he's like, well, you should probably just start servicing them as well. I'm like, okay, well, I, I think I work here now. So, um, and I was just kind of helping at first and it turned into kind of a full-time thing from then. And I ended up, uh, after I was taking calls for Club Capital from the conference rooms and call rooms of my other job at the consulting company, I'm like, after this guy, I'm like, I think I got to this. You got to start making the transition. Yeah. Which was good. I mean, we were a small company at the time, definitely a big initial risk on my end because I was making pretty good money. And, but I was also single and not married and single and no kids. Right. So it was a good time for me to say, all right, let me take this jump and get into actually into the entrepreneurial side. Looking looking back on it, I mean, it was pretty risky, definitely on Micah's side, more so than my side, but obviously I felt a lot of pressure for the company to do well and Mike could be able to make that transition from yeah. billing corporate job to a startup. You know, so do you remember was, trying to find the name of the company? Name of Club Capital? Yeah. Um, How did you get the name Club Capital? I will say not that it was totally random, but I will say trying to search available domain names goes into a big part of <laughs> finding a company name. You're like, nope, that doesn't work. I think it came about really, I found the other accounting firms kind of you know, in the space that have been around forever. They were Radley and David and Micah partnership. Yeah, right. It you sounds know. more like a law firm. Yeah, more like a law firm, right? So really what I wanted with Club Capital was to be one central place for your agency's financials. And I, I want to go more the way of mint.com or personal capital. Sure. So certainly personal capital, they're kind of like a money tracker on the personal side. So. I wanted something where revolving around your money world for insurance. And that's kind of... And we liked Club Capital because it had some sort of sense of the whole idea with Club Capital is to stay incredibly niche focused yep. on our target market. I mean, everybody's heard probably the term public accounting firm. Mm-hmm. What that really means is that they're open to anybody and everybody, right? Yep. And we didn't want to be that. The whole goal was to not be that. And we wanted it to be bigger than us, right? So like when you think about a typical accounting firm name or law firm name sure. it's very much about their names we said we want this to be bigger than that right this isn't about us or me or you or this is about setting up a 
system and a company that works mm-hmm. it can be there for a long time and so and we more, wanted it to be different yeah more so besides the services we provide we wanted it to feel like a membership right yeah more agents that we get involved i truly think that the stronger the community gets and the stronger the product gets because we have more data to look at your agency whether you're just starting out or you're trying to scale from the middle of your career or even later on but every single agent helps out that community mm-hmm. by anonymously sharing their data so, you know, I truly wanted that membership feel where it's like, hey, we're on this together. We're a part of this. The bigger this thing grows, obviously, but also the more we all benefit as well. Right? I think that's a big part because when you're talking about financials, oftentimes agency owners are really reluctant to want to share that. I'll talk about production numbers all day long, but when it comes to the money, it's almost like that's taboo. We're not going to go there. And so the part of you being able to say, Now we can share it anonymously to be able to see where people are. It just opens up this perspective to not in a comparison way, right? But in a very good way of benchmarking. There's a big difference of having to compare yourself and that can get into mindset things, but be able to benchmark off of what some of the top people are doing and see how you're doing to be able to, am I making the right investments, et cetera? I think that was key. I think it's so cool. You know, you read in business books, about maybe some of the unicorns, Facebook and Instagram and all this. But I think it's just as equally as cool to be able to hear the backstory of small businesses. I mean, really, small business is the backbone of the American dream. And unfortunately, man, the statistics are just really tough. I mean, 96% of businesses don't see their 10th birthday. It's unbelievable to me that it's that low. Before I transition into a little bit of kind of where the company is I'll today. I'll cut Go you ahead. off there, though, and say, what is the number one reason small businesses fail? What do you think it is? Cash flow. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you have some, you know, you've covered some podcasts on this before, more on the coaching end of things, but cash is king. Mm-hmm. Cash is king and access to cash and understanding cash flow yep. and how it can affect the business is crucial. I say that because you brought up that statistic, but that is one of the areas that we go into so much with our clients is when you come on board with us and the whole goal of Club Capital and kind of David's background, my background, neither of us are accountants, yep. right? The goal is not just to create you know, an accounting firm that produces a PL. Mm-hmm. That's obviously a means to an end, right? I mean, we need to be able to do that, but it's more of the why, right? Why are we creating this document? What are you going to glean from this financial information mm-hmm. to one, understand the business a little bit better from the financial side and hopefully make better decisions from it mm-hmm. and understand that one of the biggest things we talk about too, just from a small business perspective is understanding really why the, all the financial statements matter. It's not just a P&L that you need to look at, but understanding how the balance sheet can affect your P&L. And truly, on a month-to-month basis, the difference between profit and loss statement or income statement and the cash flow. Yeah. You mentioned the number one reason. I think it's the only reason people go out of business is they run out of cash, right? right. So mm-hmm. that's the only reason you go out of business. And then, so just on that, and then Bradley, just to piggyback on your question too, or sharing financials, just to go back to that for a second. I mean, it's really the elephant in the room that I saw, like in going to meetings, fall planning, conferences, right? Boards. Yeah. Big agent gets up on stage, talks about their production. What they don't tell you is that they have 30 team members and that the lead company is giving them all their leads for free, right? So I wanted to pull back the curtain on that. 
and not in a way to expose anybody. That's why we do everything anonymously, but really to show, hey, who's running the most profitable business, yep. not the most top line revenue. Yep. I think one of our clients says, I want to know who's the most profitable agent you've never heard of. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and not just necessarily the top line revenue gets up on stage and lead companies, give them all leads and you have 30 employees, right? That's a little bit of the why too, is I, I felt like sometimes we focus on the wrong thing, right? I'm so glad that you added that because it really is about good at business, right? Being good at business and running the business end of your business and having a look at all of those things. I think I saw recently Uber has not been profitable maybe ever. Okay. I mean, so it is possible, but they have a different end game. When you're a small business owner, as Micah said, cash and cash flow, or at least access to cash is paramount. Mm -hmm. You can't go a day without oxygen and a business is the same. And the oxygen of a business is cash. And so I completely agree with that. I mean, look, we love Mike McCallowitz profit first, right? And that mentality and that mindset and even that structure. But there's a big difference in profit and cash. And I found that out the hard way myself of not understanding the difference between the two in my business. And so, Mike, I want to ask you, I mean, the growth that Club Capital's had over the last several years is pretty unbelievable. And that's obviously from the work that you guys are doing. Just where does Club Capital stand today? We've done a little bit of the journey and backstory. Where does Club Capital at today? Yeah. So I think it's probably good to kind of remind people too that Club Capital, we've grown significantly over the last six years. But one of the things that keeps us, I think, really connected to our client base is that we're also a small business, right? I mean, yes, we're incredibly niche focused, but we're a small business, very similar to our clients. And we go through some of the same growing pains as everybody else. And we've got that some of the same issues, either operationally or kind of growth-wise that we go through mm-hmm. as every single one of our clients. And so we're able to, I think, just really understand our client base. But where we are today, we serve over 600 agents and growing at just an incredible pace, which I think is one of the things that is definitely certainly my largest challenge, right? But I have to make sure that the company is ready for is how to grow at that speed and still deliver an an absolutely amazing product and service out to our clients. We should be growing at a rate of close to three to 400 agents a year, which is incredible because it's obvious that we're really satisfying a need in the marketplace and and being able to, I know that the services that we provide truly do help agents become better business owners. And so it's amazing to see truly the impact will end up being able to have on an industry at a growth rate. So that's great. But internally, we're at about 35 employees, which I think is probably a lot less than what people would think. I see some of the clients come on board. I think they think we're almost like corporate at some point or we're this incredibly massive vendor. And while we may be a little bit bigger than some of our clients, we're certainly in the same general sphere Absolutely. as our clients in terms of a small business. And so hiring people, training, right? <laughs> everything that happens in an agency, it pretty much happens in our, yeah. our world too. Right? We might call them different departments, but we've got the same departments. Right? <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. We got sales, we got service, we got marketing, uh, <laughs> we got operations. So we go through some of the same things too. But I mean, that's kind of where we are now. I mean, in terms of vision though, for the future for Club Capital, we definitely were already the largest agency focused accounting and advisory firm 
in the country. And to just stop there for a second, I mean, Bradley, you asked kind of the state of affairs of where we are. I mean, you look at it in 2016 when we started with myself and 20 guys from our study group. And now we're, like I said, over 600 plus locations. All the other traditional accounting firms, we've been able to do this in six years versus they took 15, 20, 25 years to build up. So absolutely, we're incredibly proud about that and honored from the clients on that. And I think like Micah said, it's really to keep that focus on helping the community build up the membership. The more people come on board, obviously, the more we all benefit from it, right? From a mm-hmm. data share. Yeah. And I mean, even just the way our training goes internally, I think every single one of our clients would be super happy to see how much time and effort we spend just during employee training, training our employees on how our clients work and operate. Mm -hmm. Whereas very typical firms, right? It's, you're going to work with 70 different types of businesses and they're going to be at 70 different stages in their business, right? Bradley, we have a few acronyms in our business, right? So (laughs) they need to be trained up pretty uh, pretty quick. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I mean, that's such a good point though, actually, is that you want to be able to know, does this person get my business? Do they know my business? Do they actually get me, get my business? And that is a big deal because, you know, somebody coming in, if they have a finance degree, have an accounting degree, they may know numbers, but they need to know and understand how this industry specifically works. And so that whenever someone's having a conversation with them and throwing out some of those acronyms that they're able to like, okay, I know what you're referring to and I know what you're sharing versus having no clue whatsoever. I mean, Maki, you talked about your career starting out in consulting. I mean, I'm sure you just went from client to client to client. One client was in technology and the next client's in aerospace and the next client's in defense contracting or whatever. And it's just, that's hard to learn all of those industries that quickly, let alone you were able to really understand this industry and go deep on it and then obviously train your teams to be able to do it. So I think it's a really good point. That's a different language. Mike has hung around me enough where he's picked up a lot of it and there's certainly enough agents now where he definitely knows it. We have a few other guys on the team that been on the team a couple of years that just by hanging around agent, some of it's just time and talking with agents, right? Yes. But even between different companies, one uses lapse cancellation, the other one uses retention, retention. rate, right? There's even language specific from carrier to carrier that you know, I'm sure you're aware of. But yeah, yeah the learning yeah. curve steep, just like it is in you know, our offices, right? Part of that is truly what we designed as our competitive advantage, though. Even we look at the services that we provide The services that we provide out of the box that are our essential services are already one to two to three steps above what I'll call it a typical accounting firm would provide. Our base services are really in our sphere known as CFO light services because we don't just provide a P&L quarterly or at the end of the year. We're providing a dashboard of financials and analytics every single month on demand. I mean, you have a login to the analytics platform that we do publish the three financial statements every single month, but you have access to KPIs, which is key performance indicators. And you can track how those KPIs are doing for your business, right? So identify those that really mean something to you. What are the numbers I need to know at a glance? And then how are they compared to the target? That type of stuff is very, just out of the box, is CFO-like. I mean, it's two, three steps ahead of what our say competition is already doing and that's our base service but for us to be able to do that it's really because we're niche focused we are able to be mm-hmm. efficient at creating what our deliverables are going to be right mm-hmm. and then kind of standardizing how we do that so that we can offer better services at a low price 
right? Yeah. So the goal was how do we create, and that's kind of what we wanted to do between kind of David and I is how do we get that enterprise level service, right, down to the small business owner? And one of the key ways that we do that is being focused on our niche, right? We can kind of do it, it's way harder than it sounds, but do it once, <laughs> right? And just focus on them rather than if we were opened up to 20 different types of industries or 100 or whoever walks in our door, we're kind of having to create from scratch every single time, get sure. to know that business, spend the amount of time on that business so that we can create the KPIs for them and understand what their transactions are, who their vendors are, you sign up, and the, the thing now is <laughs> most of the clients sign up with us. We know better than they know themselves. Right? Mm-hmm. We already know where they're spending their money. If they don't know how to pull their documents, we already know where to pull them. Right? Here's the statements that we need from you. Here's how to navigate the screen so that you can pull them for us. Mm-hmm. And I think we can talk about some things we're doing into next year, Bradley. But really, I think that CFO light that Mike has said, it's really the why behind it, right? The why is I wanted to be able to mm-hmm. And again, I wanted this myself when I was starting, but I wanted to take an agency from $0 in revenue or whatever you take over to 500000 quicker. And then when I got yep. to that number, I wanted to be able to scale from that to a million or 1.5 quicker. And I wanted to know the agents out there that are doing it. And if I could glean, it's the same reason we go to a study group, right? Is to find out what the top guys are doing, top guys and girls are doing and find out how they're doing it more efficiently. And if that could save years off my learning curve, why would I not try to take advantage of that? You bring up such a good point. The best way for us to learn is through experience, but nobody said it always has to be your own experience. It can be someone else's experience, which is exactly what you're saying. Is there a way that for me to be able to learn from some other people that are years ahead, how can I take decades and compress that into days of learning and be able to almost pull these threads? I think about the there is a lot of different ways to have, quote, success in business. I mean, there is. However, there are these essential elements and financials is a part of that. And let's just be really real. I mean, there's people that you started business because you wanted to be able, in addition to having the options and the freedom in the business, part of that freedom is financial freedom. You wanted to be able to have complete control, not only of your day to day, and you wanted to be able to go on vacation. I get all that. And that's a huge part of it, too. But a big part of it is you want to be able to provide for your family. You wanted to be able to be in complete control of that. And unfortunately, some people will start their business thinking that they're going to end up just being multimillionaires. And they go, man, this is really tough the first couple of years. I mean, for me, it made last my first three years combined than I did my previous year. My wife was like, you sure you want to keep doing this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> but it was tough. You bring up a good point. It's not all the same for everybody, right? Some people are trying to scale revenue and they want to grow their book as fast as they can. Others, they want to be profitable. And there's a lot of people that are in between that, right? They want to grow while taking some profit. The numbers that we provide on that, they give you the information, but that doesn't necessarily tell you where you need to go, right, Bradley? Yeah. It's all a personal level with your family at the end of the day of like, hey, how big do you want to grow or where do you want to take this thing? That's right. At the end of the day, you decide where you want to go, right? But let's start there. Let's have a concept of, hey, what does it look like a couple of years down the road? What do I want to build, right? And then, hey, we could use other people's experience to get there quicker. Why not, right? Yeah. Mike, I, I want to ping it back over to you as we're kind of closing, but I love 
the whole visioning part of business. It's probably my favorite part. Vision and then reverse engineering back to strategy. That's probably the thing I enjoy doing the most. Just lean out maybe 12 months from now. And if you want to go a little bit further, but lean out 12 months, what's the vision? Where's Club Capital going as an organization, as an enterprise over the next couple of years? I think we can talk probably vision, tactically, what are some of the things that I can see happen over the next 12 months? I mean, I think just overall vision-wise, it comes down to what's the vision of the firm, what's the mission of the firm, and with those in mind, what should our goals be? Right. So if our mission is to help agents become better business owners and kind of with our vision there that we should be able to have certainly a pretty dominant share of the entire market. I mean, we're already the largest accounting firm and advisory firm within space today, which is kind of nice to say, but we're definitely not where we want to be. Right. So Mm -hmm. and truly in terms of making a massive impact on the industry as a whole and and all of the agents and families that come along with that, I think we really need to be at least, at least 25% agency force out there, which I definitely think is possible for us to achieve. Now that's not going to happen in the next 12 months, but I think that's really where we would say, look, we're surpassing that 25% mark based upon what our mission is and the deliverables that we have. That should be what our goal is there would be no reason to be less than that, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have a superior service and we can help. And what our service does is provide ROI. So there's really no reason to for others to necessarily not use it. We can make that impact. So that's really where we see the company going. I think over the next 12, 24 months, we're going to see us continuing to have a pretty massive growth rate, likely doubling in size over the next 12 to 18 months, Mm. which is definitely harder and harder to do. We definitely did that the first couple of years and have the past couple of years kind of 60, 70% growth rate, which is pretty big. And to continue doing that, it's much harder, right? We talk about being at 30, 35 employees. So having to hire that many more employees, which it's not necessarily one for one, but in a tough labor market, right? Just like the agencies are going through, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, having to hire, when you double your employee size going from, you know, four to eight or five to 10, is one thing trying to go from 30 to 50 will be different, right? So we'll have some different challenges ahead of us. But that's just kind of where I see ourselves kind of going size-wise. But I definitely think there's some things that we're looking at in terms of focus and how we start continue to expand how we're helping agents. We definitely have some fun things that we're going to be trying to do certainly over the next 6, 12, 18 months. Yeah, I think, Bradley, that really comes down to the services that we offer now is really the essential packages, like Micah said, is really transactional and historical in nature, right? So now with CFO, we're, we're looking forward and we're saying that exact conversation, hey, Bradley, where do you want to go? And having our team help diagnose that so we can save that time yep. that we talked about to get you there, right? Almost like that conversation of where do you want to be in three to five years? What do we need to do to help you get there? Because we ha- we have some of that data, right? And yeah. I think you'll see us continue to expand in those areas. We have that data set. So wherever agents spend money, wherever we see that we can add value and we can help agents make smarter financial decisions, I think that's where you'll see us lean into and really look at that now from like, okay, hey, we have this information. How do we help the lives of our agency owners and like Micah said, their families? make smarter business decisions, get them to where they want to go quicker. That's really where, where it is at the end of the day. Yeah. I think just to be able to be so clear on the mission 
and to say, you know what, we don't know exactly for three to five years, but we do know this. We're going to stay focused on the vision to be able to serve small business owners, to help them be able to go further faster and to continue to make them better business owners and be able to make better financial decisions. And whatever that looks like over the next three to four to five years as things continue to change, I think is really awesome. I have to just say, I'm grateful to be a small part of the journey with Club Capital and looking back on, I guess, Micah, when I met you and sometime in 2017, it's been pretty awesome just to be a a small part of the ride and to be able to be host of the podcast is, uh, I want you guys to know I'm super grateful. So I'm thankful to put that on this episode. So yeah, we haven't done one like this before where we have a little bit of a, the past, the present and the future of club capital. So for our listening audience, we're grateful for all of you and hopefully you enjoyed learning a little bit about the history of club capital, a little bit about where it's going. All right, guys, appreciate y'all. Hey, want to give a big shout out before you go to our podcast sponsors, Direct Clicks, Autopilot Recruiting, of course, Club Capital, Rock Solid Assistance, and Coach P Consulting. Look, if you're ready to take your agency to the next level, you know you need to develop and invest in your team. It's exactly where Coach P can help you. Go to Coach P Consulting. Dot com and make sure you let him know that you heard about him on the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. If you want to be able to get quality leads into your sales team's hands, Direct Clicks. They can help you with your SEO, with your pay-per-click. Go to directclicksinc.com. Our newest podcast sponsor, Autopilot Recruiting. Alex and his team have built an incredible service that's going to be able to help you to be able to find, attract, develop, and retain those A players, but you first have to be able to attract the right people. And you know the importance of doing it on a regular basis, but having the discipline and consistency, look, you're busy. You're developing your current team. You are meeting with clients yourself. You're wearing so many different hats, being the CFO of your business, being CSO, CEO, COO. It's just so many different things. And oftentimes as the agency owner, you're in the C-suite by yourself trying to do all those different things. And so recruiting on a regular basis, critical to do it. But what you really want is you want the leads, great people in front of you that you can interview and decide whether or not they're going to be the right fit for you. That's where autopilot recruiting comes in. Go to autopilotrecruiting.com and make sure you use the code club capital to get started. All right, everyone until next episode, lead well.